Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. 2023, here we go. Um, Something cool about the new year, right? There's just something fresh about that. Um, We're not doing a new year message this year, but this very much ties in to new beginnings and fresh starts. We're going to be looking at the letter to Philemon, uh, Paul's shortest letter, uh, written from prison, one of the prison epistles, um, and it's only 25 verses. So we're going to do it in one shot. We're going to go straight through it today. So you'll say, what did you do at church today? We studied a book of the Bible, the whole thing. Um, So yeah, awesome. Well, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning, for each person that made it, uh, even on a early, it seemed like early morning this morning. Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, each person here and those online, and God, we pray that you would just bless this time uh, in your word as you, um, Lord, speak to us by your spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, also, so Troy mentioned the podcast. Um, we have Instagram Live. Hi. There's always people on Instagram Live. So there's always other people here that you don't see. I'm saying hi. They're probably responding, but I don't know. Um, but we are really close to having a video feed go up like a legit video feed. Um, so that maybe that soon. So just be on the lookout for that. And then Instagram Live will be done. So it'll be a good Good. It's been helpful for the season we've been in, but looking forward to uh, the next season there. Um, yeah. All right. So Philemon, as I said, it's a it's a letter uh, written by Paul from prison. Uh, Philemon lived in Colossae, so this letter was probably went out about the same time as Colossians. Uh, but it's a personal letter uh, written to Philemon, who is a real person. Uh, Probably, there's, there's a lot of things we don't know about this story, uh, but there's ways to fill in the blanks pretty well. Uh, Philemon was a believer that probably got saved in Ephesus. We know he was a big part of the church in Colossae. He was uh, actually in leadership there. He seemed like a really legit guy. He was affluent, um, and being in the Roman world, he owned slaves. Now, when we think about slaves, we... It's a little different than the transatlantic slave trade, uh, but it's still it's still not ideal, right? And so uh, this is part of that culture, though. Uh, so Onesimus, who we're going to see in this story, is a slave who ran away from Philemon, and it seems like maybe did some other stuff too. Uh, so this is a story about. One guy who runs away and we'll see actually comes to become a Christian and then has to reconcile and make things right with the guy he ran away from. And there's some really high stakes. And Paul is, this is a pretty brilliant letter. Paul is is so articulate and um, careful in the way he handles this. But I think it's, it's really cool. What's interesting about this letter is there's no reference really to the cross or a lot of the main doctrinal uh, points we, we see in the rest of Paul's epistles, but it's lived out in the way he's expecting believers to handle and work with each other. The gospel is clearly portrayed in this letter. 
So starting in verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have Paul and Timothy together, which we spent a lot of time in First and Second Timothy. Uh, and we know Timothy's like Paul's son in the faith. We're going to see that Paul also sees uh, Onesimus as like his child in the faith. Uh, he's become very dear to him and very helpful and useful. So Paul is with Timothy. He's writing this letter to Philemon, and then it's believed Apphia being his wife, and Archippus was his son. They're all of high regard, high esteemed very well. Uh, as you can see, they have a church in their house, meeting in their house. So this is a, this is a mature believer in the Lord. Uh, and so Paul is calling him into that. He's addressing him that way. Um, so then he says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by acknowledgement of every good thing which is in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and, and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So Philemon is a faithful guy, and his life has made an impact. Uh, people's lives have been made better by Philemon existing. So this is not like some, you know, rogue guy who's like kind of on the outskirts. This is someone that Paul has a lot of respect for. And he's saying, dude, you, you guys, you've done really well. You're faithful and people have been blessed by your love and your life. So Paul knows Philemon and he's certain that what he's, he knows he's the real deal and he's affirming that, that God's worked in his life and he's hopeful that what he's about to bring up will not be a sticking point for him. He's hoping that he'll continue to act in maturity and he'll continue to uh, be this mature blessing of a man, uh, this kingdom ambassador to the world. So he's affirming who he is in Christ. He's building him up. And then he's going to bring some stuff up. He's like, dude, you've been faithful. Your love abounds. Your life is making an absolute impact. And he wants to give him another opportunity for Christ to be magnified through his life. Here it goes. Therefore, Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such as one, such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying, I could basically say under authority, you need to do this. That's not the way I'm coming about this. Because I know that you're a mature believer. I know that you know Jesus. I know that your life reflects that knowledge. I know that, the, that you're a man of integrity and faith. And so I'm not going to be telling you just what to do. Right? He could use that authority in this situation, but he'd rather appeal to love. He would rather appeal to the love of Philemon that it wouldn't just be a rule, he wouldn't just be a rule follower, but a man of integrity and character. So that when things are brought up, you react like a man of integrity and character. That it would be played out under the litmus test of life. Because it's easy to say, oh, I want to be a man of integrity and character. But just wait until that one thing comes up that is a sticking point for you. And I'm sure the name that Paul is about to utter 
is an absolute sticking point for Philemon. You know, there's like certain names that you hear and you're like, don't say that. It's the name that shall not be named, you know? Like, don't say that around me. I don't, oh, you know? Someone has just really gotten under you. And, and even, it's like the mention of it can, this might be the case here for Philemon. We don't know for sure. But I love Paul's approach. He's not just saying, I don't want you just to be a follower of exactly everything that I say where you're, you become a puppet. That's not the point. The point is that you make this decision on your own, but I would compel you to do so. Tell me, this is like, this is what raising kids is all about. See, when they're really young, they are followers. And there's a certain degree of that being absolutely essential. Like, don't run across the street. And they're like, I kind of want to. You're like, you know what? Who am I to hold you back? You know, like, there it is. Just, I think you'll make the right decision. I trust you will. I trust you. And they're just like, okay. And they run across the street. Not ready yet, right? As your child grows, if you're relationship continues to stay at that level, it's going to be highly problematic, especially come the teenage years, right? When you say, especially, especially when you've been using force to say, hey, if you don't do this, I'm going to, you know, fill in the blank. And then that, that fear, there's a fear factor that works when you're younger, but as you get older, you go, you know what? I'm not really scared of you anymore. So the thing you're saying to me doesn't, doesn't affect me like that anymore. You don't really scare me anymore. Like, and so that, that is no longer a uh, motivation in some sense. Does that mean you shouldn't punish? No, I think you absolutely should still have punishments. There should be, uh, you know, uh, rules and, and uh, ramifications for not following them. But it should all be done within the the idea of growth. I am trying to raise you to be the type of man or woman that will survive the world we're living in. And it won't be you just going, mommy, I don't know what to do. Daddy, uh, I'm stuck. You're like, you're 21. You know, you, gotta, you, you can cross the street now. You got to give you wisdom and understanding and the ability to figure this out as you go. Because if we believe that the spirit of the living God lives in us and is working in us to make us more like him daily, sanctified, set apart, then the process we must pass on is how do you get in that vein of growth? And how do you stay there? Where do I find myself in a place where God can move in my life and change me from the inside out and watch me grow. And so Paul is trusting in that. So he's not like, hey, I could come down hard on you and just say, just do it. That's not what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna appeal to love in this situation. Okay, Philemon, and I, and I trust that you're gonna make the right decision. It's just like a parent. We give you all the wisdom we can. I, kinda, I told our, one of our kids last night, we are your wisdom right now to some extent. <laughs> we represent wisdom, okay? Because some of the stuff you just don't know about. I took Cannon down a drive down my, my neighborhood um, baseline and into the not-so-nice part of town because I thought it would be good for him, you know? Just kind of see a different world. We're in a, we're in a unique place here. And so we went down and we drove into some pretty bad areas. And he's like, is this safe? And I'm like, kind of. I mean, I can't say it's completely safe, but like, 
I know I, I have a plan. I mean, I know what I'm doing here. I grew up here. I have, the, I, you know, whatever. And, and we know where not to go. But it was like that was kind of the, some parts to that where um, if you want to get out of the car and walk around, that's probably not a good idea. But so I, I, we're instilling in them wisdom. Hey, I got to expose you to this so you can understand how to handle it. If we never see anything or never are involved in anything and you're never exposed to anything, the world's going to come at you hard and fast. You go, oh, what do I do with all this? And then we see this. I think this, this is college a lot of times. You get college and all of a sudden, way too much freedom, way too fast, no, no wisdom, no learning how to discern or understand. This is a side point, but I think it's important. I think it's part of what he's saying is, I'm not making you to be a robot because that is not what Jesus does with us. That's not how God moves in our lives. He, he, he compels us. He tells us the way it is. He, he tells us what to do, but then he doesn't force it upon us. He says, hey, look, blessing is going that way. That way, not so much. Hey, you're going to reap what you sow. I'm telling you, you'd be better off with me. If you walk with me, I will blow your mind with my faithfulness. You will, you will have peace. You will have joy. You will have all these things. But you can make the decision for yourself. Obviously, I'm not a Calvinist. So that, it's with that in mind, right, that he's saying to him, man, I'm not going to be forcing this down your throat, but please, for love's sake, I'm appealing to you. Please listen to me. And that, that, that is, again, very parental. Like, I'm, please listen to me. Please learn from my mistakes. Please understand where I'm coming from on this. And then he says, um, Appealed to you being such as such a one as Paul, the aged or aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's estimated Paul was in his late 50s to early 60s. You guys are like, that's young. Not the way Paul lived. <laughs> Paul lived hard, man, you know, not in a not in a reckless way, but just, I mean, read read Acts and then, you know, look at how often he's being beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked with, with not having food, having food. He's aged throughout the years, but he's saying it basically like, no, just, you know, let me appeal to you as one who's got skin in the game. Listen, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, let's call him his son, whom I begotten while in my chains who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Um, Somehow, Paul met up with Philemon's runaway slave, Onesimus. Uh, It's believed Onesimus probably stole stuff and ran away. He took off, uh, and the the, um, the result of doing that is basically death on either account. Because you can't have slaves doing this kind of stuff. They're, they would make a, a point up to, there was, there was a story I read about like uh, a case where one slave killed his master, so they killed all 400 of the guy's slaves to make a point that this will not be happening ever again. So this is a big deal. And you can imagine Onesimus, right? He's found his way all the way to Rome, And so he's been traveling around. There's very likely a bounty hunter looking for him. 
trying to find him with a description to bring him home. So Onesimus, in the middle of all this, becomes a Christian. He ends up coming to Christ. Under Paul, meets him under, under chains. It may be that Onesimus knew that Paul had this relationship with Philemon. He knew all about that. He understood, you know, uh, that maybe he was done running. He was just wrought with grief. He felt like desperate and alone. He's hurting. And so he goes to Paul and he's like, he becomes a Christian. Not only that, he's become super helpful to Paul. He's become one that ministers to him in Rome, in prison. So this guy's been completely helpful and profitable. It's, this is a bit of a funny thing because Onesimus actually means useful. And so Paul says, you know, who was once unprofitable or unuseful to you, he's now become useful to me and to you. I'll tell you what, this is a different person. He has now become one of us. And he's my son in the faith. Listen, Philemon, this dude is legit. He is a changed life. He's been transformed by the gospel. So now, uh, whether he said it right away or not, he probably said, hey, listen, I'm a runaway slave. He confessed. I've ran away from, I've, I'm, I've left. I'm, I ran away from my master, Philemon. Uh, I, you know who he is. Um, and, and Paul was like, you know what we got to do? We got to fix this. We can't run away from the consequences. This is an opportunity to make this right. And then you can live in peace and so can he. So let's appeal to the church and let's see if the church does what the church is supposed to do. Let's see if we can get over our ego and our issues and all of our problems. Let's just see what happens. This is a very scary move for Onesimus because he's saying where he is. And I'm, I, you've got to imagine to some extent he's decided whatever happens, happens. I'm, I'm in the hands of Philemon. Whatever he decides to do, he can do. And maybe we understand that we feel that. Been there, right? You can imagine this is probably pretty heavy situation. So he's like, hey, listen, man, he's become, I know he's unprofitable. I know he was, he's brought you a lot of pain and suffering. He's become so profitable for me. So then what is he asking? I am, or saying, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him. That is my own heart. Listen, I love this guy. My son, my heart whom I wish to keep with me. It, I wish he could stay with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. He says, listen, I want to keep this guy near me. He's such a blessing to me, but I want to send him back because we got to make this thing right. We want to give God an opportunity to, to take this, these ashes and bring them to make them beautiful, to bring glory to the situation. We want to see the church show off. We want to see God's people re represent the gospel, not just preach it, but live it. So he says, I'm sending him to you. That way, you can make the decision. Hey, listen, I'm already seeing it. Let me tell you this, Philemon. I'm already seeing it like you sent him to me as a blessing. You're getting fruit from my account for him being here. But I want you in on it too. So I want you to be able to make that decision so that it's not like somebody's using it without your, you know, accord. It's like if someone 
you know, was house sitting your house. And then they had, they, you know, saw some people and said, Hey, why don't you stay with us for a while? You know, I know you don't have anywhere to stay. Come stay with us for a while. That's very nice of you. But if you don't have the, the, uh, you know, authorization of the people whose house it is, then maybe it's not. <laughs> like, maybe that's not really what it's supposed to be. You're, Look how generous you've been with your house. You're like, I did not make that decision. You did that for me. And so there's really no benefit. In some sense, there is, I guess. But in another sense, there isn't. So he's like, I want you to have an opportunity to do this voluntarily. So I'm sending him back to you. How nerve-wracking is this? So he sees him as a gift and, you know, wants to make things right. This is, I mean, this, that's why I thought this is so timely, right? New Year's. Isn't New Year's like resolutions about making things right? It's about starting over. Well, the hard thing is, is that we want to find the shortcuts to do the hard things. But this is not taking a shortcut. You know what they could have done? Paul could have said, listen, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go see Philemon. I think there could be problems. You could end up dying. You're changed. I, everybody will be good. Just stay here. He did not do that. He went through the hard work of making them have a response, have an encounter, make things right in your own lives. This is, this is a big opportunity for that. We were talking about resolutions in our house and it's not some fancy thing, but it's an opportunity to make a landmark. This is what I'm going to try to be more mindful of this year. Here's some stuff I feel like is important that we should all implement. And the kids all had them. Um, you know, one of them said to eat less veggies. That one's not going to work, you know. Um, that was a joke, I think. So he wants Philemon to get the rewards for handling this well. He and you know what this really shows? He trusts Philemon. He really trusts him to make the right decision. He believes that God has done a work in him that will lead to this ending well. Now, he also wants to help him with that, okay? We'll get that into that in a second. He says, for perhaps, verse 15, he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He says, not only am I asking you to forgive him, I'm asking you to no longer see him as a slave, but as a brother. I'm asking you to free him. Now, I uh, found estimates of what a slave would be worth in that era, and it's around $30,000. So that's a big deal right? And you also got to deal with like the embarrassment in, in a sense in your own, you know, the fact that someone did that to you and the fact you're angry and all of these things. But Paul's saying, I am, I, I believe that he left and was sent to me for such a time as this, for this kind of purpose, like Joseph, right? Who, who's like, finds himself under all these gnarly situations that seem so wrong but he was there to save the lives of many in Egypt and abroad and beyond. He's like, you meant it for evil. God meant it for good. He says, I believe this is the purpose that God's, God is going to take this from being a 
semi-good relationship between slave and master and is going to use it as a symbol and a story that will be told 2,000 years later about what God can do from slave to free. That it will be a gospel reflection that people can look at and say, even if they've never heard the gospel, you read this letter and you kind of get the gospel. Especially with what Paul says next. He believes he's going to restore him. Verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, which of course he would, receive him as you would me. So now when you see him, think of me. Receive him like I'm there. He's my proxy. <laughs> this, is, this is me. That's him. When you see him, think of me. When you look at him, you're looking at me. Think about it like that. And then he says, but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. He grabs the pen from the hand of the person who's writing this. I'm writing this with my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you that, I, that you owe me even your own self besides. Ooh. <laughs> Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. I, if you're owed anything, I'll pay it. Now, okay, when you look at me, when you look at him, you're looking at me. If he has a debt, I'll pay it. What does this look like? This is Jesus. So like when the father looks at us, what does he see? He sees Jesus covered in the blood of Christ, heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We're now in the blood. We have the identity of being one with Christ through the blood of Jesus. So he's saying, just like you look at me, you see, you, you look at him, you see me. You look at, God looks at us, he sees Christ. And what about the debt? I'll pay for it. I'm good for it. He writes it with his own hand. I owe you. You're going to want to hold on to that one. Anyone? Okay, anyone. Dumb and dumber quote from back in the day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that one's for $200,000. You're going to want to hold on to that one. This is as good as cash. Didn't know you were going to get those quotes today. Um, but you count, so, so he's saying, here's my IOU. Here's my signature. I will pay back whatever he's owed. By the way, do you owe me anything? <laughs> it's interesting too. You get kind of, I'm, I'm getting parallels of the unmerciful servant. One who's been forgiven so much. One who's been given so much and then goes and brings someone who's done so much less to them to the court. It's like, you sure you want to do that? No, 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 no. We're not playing that game finally. So he's reinforcing it. I think this is like such actually a good idea of what parenting does look like. <laughs> Let me, let me encourage you to make the right decision. I'm not going to force you to make it. I am going to encourage you, and I'm going to let you know that if you choose a different way, there will be a consequence. And I, there will be a, you know, there's going to be more questions in a sense, you know. Not like I'm going to, like, force it, but, like, come on, man. I'll pay for it. I'll deal with it. I'll take care of it. But do you really want to play the who owes who game? So he's reminding him of all that he's received. And so he's like, you counted me as a partner. 
You trust me. Let Brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Would you want to do that for me? Absolutely. Again, this letter doesn't talk about the cross directly, but this is so the message of the cross. This is so the gospel. So cool. You, you know, you, if you only had this, you could get a real clear, you could fill in the blanks with put in the names of what the story is all about. And you'd be blown away by this just like you would by the gospel. What is that about? So then he says this in verse 21, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. He believes he's going to be freed from prison. He's like, prepare a guest room. I'm coming. He says, but I also trust, I have confidence in your obedience and trust in the Lord that you're going to do even more so than I thought you were going to do. So now it's not just Paul with the grace of God. He believes Philemon is going to have the grace of God in his life. And so he's going to be able to minister in a way that is beyond what he ever deserved. Oh, it's so beautiful. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Now, Paul is believing again him to do the right thing. This is, this is a beautiful thing, a beautiful gift of what the, for us to see of what the church can really do. What real gospel forgiveness and gospel living looks like. And it's hard because you feel like you get slighted. That's a false understanding of what, what is actually what. Onesimus has the opportunity now being saved, but living with obviously some guilt of knowing that the past, he's been forgiven, but there's also a thing where he's got to make things right with a brother. He's got to, not just as a master, but as a brother in the Lord, he's got to make this right. Philemon is given the ability to forgive and now restore a, a now brother in the faith, not, not as a slave. What an awesome opportunity Philemon has. So if you see it not as a, like you're getting, you're getting the raw end of the deal, you see it as an opportunity to restore someone who was desperate for help. You get to be like Jesus. Paul is representing Jesus. Philemon is representing Jesus. And it's all because of the work that's been done in Onesimus through Christ. Now, here's the question. Did he do it? What's the end of this story? Well, we have some, some hints. I think, first of all, this letter would not be in existence if, if Philemon got it and said, no. You wouldn't hold on to that letter. That'd be pretty damning, wouldn't it, if you held on to that letter? No, that thing would have gone in the fire immediately. It would have never been seen again by anyone. But it, instead, it's, it's been part of the canon of Scripture, circulated throughout the world for 2,000 years. This is part of it. I think he absolutely heeded it. Most, most people believe he did. Um, it's also believed Philemon sent Onesimus back to Rome to minister to Paul more. That he, he freed him and then sent him back. This is kind of church history kind of stuff. Uh, 
Ignatius, one of the martyrs, 50 years later, uh, when he was being trans- transported to Rome for his execution, uh, wrote a letter to the churches. These are non-canon letters, but they're letters by church leaders and pastors. One of the letters was written to Ephesus in which he praised their great bishop Onesimus. It's very likely this is the same guy. A slave, now a bishop or an overseer, the leader of the church in Ephesus. Wild. That's the radical story of the gospel played out. Restoration, redemption. What a cool story, right? What an awesome picture for us. He didn't have to explain the cross because it was being lived out. And he knew, he knew. This is a letter not written to us necessarily. This was a letter written to Philemon. He knew the cross, the story of the cross. He knew it so well, he, Paul expected it to be living inside of him, to have, be coming out of him, to respond in such a way. How powerful is this? What kind of a, what kind of a witness is this? But it's, it's the way we see it. You live in a victim culture, victim mentality. Everybody's trying to make you a victim. Then you're going to hold on, hold on, hold on. Fight off, fight off, fight off. One of the things I was thinking about is we were driving around and seeing these poor people, you know, who are in really rough spots. And you're seeing, you're just like, ah. We were talking about like, this is a rough ministry area. Like, this is a hard thing. And I was like, you just got to love these people so much. You've got to love them so much. And you've got to be wise. But there's got to be that response where there's this love of God that's able to see something when it's not there. Or to see something when it's like, feels risky. I think Paul, I think Paul has an extra skin in the game with Onesimus because of the fact that he was kind of like that in one sense. Remember, he was the one that was so, that was going after Christians. And even all the disciples were like, what are we going to do with, they said he's a Christian. I don't know, dude. That guy's pretty smart and crafty. I think he's probably trying to infiltrate the system and kill us all. And what happened? Peter said, no, man, he's, he's the real deal. Bring him in. He's part of us now. Like Paul knew that, being part brought into the fellowship, same kind of a thing, right? So he wants the same thing to be experienced by Onesimus, by Philemon. See, now if Philemon decides not to do this, everyone's affected negatively. If he decides to do this, compelled by the grace of God, everyone is affected positively. We all got got loose ends in our life, right? We all got stuff like this. We go, ah, wish I would have handled that better. Oh, I wish I would have fixed, I wish I could go back in time. Wish I could fix that. Wish I could respond better. You know what's amazing is it is not too late. <laughs> and the sooner you do, the, the, the sooner God gets glory in that. I mean, it, it's funny when you confess or something or you come and you, you like, you know, lay out where you're at, your heart in a matter, kind of feel like, I'm going to look so weak. It's, that is not the way it comes across. It comes across as so strong. The weakest Try to look strong. The strong don't have to try to look strong. You don't have to tell anyone you're strong if you're strong, right? 
You don't have to make, make it. You don't have to say, hey, do you know I'm strong? Have you noticed? You know? Yeah, Todd, Todd, we know you're strong, man. You shake his hand and he says that my hand hurts when I, I hurt his hand when I shake it. It's, it's not true, man. I know. Like the people big and strong, you know. There's not, you don't have to be, we don't have to have an arm wrestling competition when you walk in. These men that, that are willing to forgive and, and exhibit this kind of like grace, that it's like such a, a, and it tears down the walls of the other person. They feel like they can be vulnerable too. This is such a beautiful picture. And it's, it's also cool. This is the first Sunday of the month, so it's communion Sunday. We come before the table. This is a great opportunity to start the year. And this is a great opportunity to start anew with what God has done in us and wants to do in us. Let's read through uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 through 29. Paul's explaining the Lord's Supper. I have it, should have it up here. Yeah. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, so this is the picture, right? This is the picture of, yeah, he gave it all. It's been paid in full. This is a picture of belonging. This is a picture of restoration and redemption. This is a picture of, of love and grace. And then he says this, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 27. Therefore, <clears throat> whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of our Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, that sounds really scary. And I think there's a seriousness level to it. Do you know what that means? Take heed, examine, Lord, what is off in my life? Onesimus, saved, radically transformed. Um, God is working in his life. He's got some old stuff he's got to deal with. He's got some old junk that needs to be dealt with to be made free. Let me tell you this. If he never makes that right with Philemon, Let's say he, that he actually for sure is the bishop of Ephesus. That never happens. If he's a, man, a wanted man, that would never happen. He'd have to stay in the shadows. He'd have to stay down low. Instead, he's restored by the one who, he'd, who he had wronged. He's elevated by the one he had wronged. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. We say we have no sin, we're, we're, we're liars. The truth isn't in us. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a cool, cool story. What a cool deal. So here's what we do. We take the cup. Troy's gonna play uh, some, some songs here. You bring it back to your chair and you say, search me, know me, Lord. Examine me. 
Show me stuff that's not supposed to be there. And then when you see it, when you recognize it, when God speaks to you and touches on the thing, you confess it before him, and then you make an opportunity to deal with that thing. Say, all right, Lord, help me to work through this and deal with this so that it's no longer enslaving me. Here's the thing about sin and guilt and shame and all these things. They entangle us and they entrap us so that we can't do the things God's called us to do. They're like invisible, weird shackles and chains that are just pulling us down. They're free, but they have to be acknowledged. And then God can fully set us free. We, we acknowledge it. We confess. He comes in and he rushes in and he forgives us. And then we get the opportunity to forgive one another and to receive forgiveness from one another. And But there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that fresh fresh slate. It's the new, new year. Let's start it off right. Let's do it right. And things that really matter. You know, the jogging plan, great idea. How many push-ups you want to do a day? It's awesome. Less time on social media, all for it. You know, watching the news less, sure, great. There's nothing more valuable, though, than getting this settled. This last week, I ripped apart my office. Like, just clean, cleaned it and... <laughs> just made it more dialed. It's like going into the new year, it's a fresh, clean everything. Everything's organized. And it's just like, and that's the way we want to live. So God, help us to examine ourselves and to start this off without any of the nagging, old, rotten flesh so we can be made new. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.